Welcome to the Defender Bible Study, a weekly encouragement to equip the body of Christ through the study of Scripture and prayer to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children around the world. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, where we believe that defending the fatherless begins by being rooted in God's Word. everybody welcome again to the defender bible study this is rick morton and today we're going to be delving into uh second timothy chapter two we're going to be dealing with one of uh what is a familiar passage of scripture to most of us i would think um the first section of second timothy chapter two and just again just to sort of set a little bit of context and remember where we are in the book this is um paul's final letter, we think, uh, all the evidence points to the idea that Second Timothy is the is the last letter um, of Paul's letters in the, the New Testament. And, and so this is his last epistle. It's written to Timothy, who's the pastor of the church at Ephesus, uh, which is a church that Paul dearly loves, a church that he spent a couple of years with and, and planted and, and uh, is a spiritual father to the people in the church there. He also has uh, this you know, incredible relationship with Timothy and Timothy. He calls his son in the ministry. And so there's, there's kind of a double importance to this letter because it's, it's the final words of the, the mentor to the mentee, the discipler to the disciple, all those, you know, all those relationships are, um, you know, spiritual father to spiritual son, all those relationships are in play. And um, Paul is is kind of summing up and saying the last things to Timothy. And so um, chapter two, verse one says, then you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. And so um, Paul kind of gives a, a transition statement in um in you know in this uh, in this passage and and the transition statement goes from you know where Paul's been been talking about this deposit that's been entrusted to Timothy about the teaching and the preparation and the call on his life that that's been given talks about you know his mother and his grandmother and the way that they they trained him and schooled him in, in the scriptures it talks about the you know, the laying on of hands that Paul laid his hands on Timothy to commission him to gospel ministry. And that, um, that ultimately there are people that have turned away from Paul in all this. And so there are people that have walked off and left and there are people that have left the faith. And he says, so having said all that, Timothy, I pray, I hope that you'll be strengthened. And you would think it's this is sort of like Paul calling Timothy close and, you know, sort of a deathbed confession kind of moment where, you know, you can almost sense this dramatic movie kind of moment, although it's being done through a letter. But but this is Paul's way and in, in sort of his last moments to be able to communicate, calling Timothy close and 
and saying the the things that are most important. And so, you know, you would again would would think that Paul's going to say something really profound here. He's going to give you know some secret to life. He's he's gonna he's gonna tell Timoth- Timothy something that he's been hanging on to. Um, in order to to sort of deliver the punchline. And that's the way you would assume that it would happen in a movie. But this isn't a movie. It's real life. And and so when Paul draws Timothy close in this letter, what he says to him is, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And so he points Timothy back to God's unmerited favor as the source for his encouragement and strength. Um, he, he doesn't tell Timothy to go do something or to go be something first. He tells him to be strong and, and fall in the grace of Jesus, to understand that the the gift that Timothy and all of us have been given in the gospel and in the work of Jesus is the most important thing. And so he says, Timothy, like grasp on to the gospel. Don't lose it. Don't let that be taken from you and don't let it be changed. Don't let it be harmed. Don't let it be perverted. Because he says, he says, not only do you be strengthened by the graces in Christ Jesus, but what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men who will teach others also. And so we have to remember that that there there is no New Testament at this point because Paul is writing it. He's writing it in these letters, and 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 the other books of the New Testament have not yet been written and circulated and and collected together. And and there is no canon of scripture. And so, how is it that that the faith is is going to be given once but passed down from generation to generation? It's because it's because faithful men have taught other. Men. It's because faithful women have taught other women. It's because carefully, one person to the next, the church has been built not as not as we've preached to thousands, although that's important. The church has been built because we've discipled single people, um, because one person has invested in another, and and I think one thing I I just want to you know point out here is that I think this is. This is something that we see less and we value less in our culture than ever before. We live in a world where um, we we think we can fix anything by YouTubing it and learning how to do it. There's, I mean, you can find on YouTube everything from how to bake a cake to how to fix your transmission. It's all there. And knowledge has become so cheap today. At our fingertips, we have all the knowledge that we could ever imagine more. There's, there's so much information that's out there. But I think often what's lacking in our world is not knowledge, but it's it's wisdom. And it's it's wisdom um, that comes only through knowing the Lord and through walking with the Lord. And and so Paul is, is saying, look, if, if the church is going to be healthy, the church is going to be healthy because the important things of following Jesus are going to be passed down from one generation to the next. And that's when the people who are older, who have more experience, who have more time with the Lord, who have a greater understanding of God's word, who have a greater understanding of, of the big picture of the storyline of scripture are investing it into younger people. 
and that there's a responsibility that we have to do that. And and so as believers, um, I've, I've said on this podcast more times than I can count that the two roles in life that we need to be looking um, to have filled in our lives is one, we we need to be looking for who is that Paul to us? Who's that discipler, that, that mentor who's walking along before us and pouring into us? And then the question is, who is it that we're walking with and and pouring into? Who's who's not as far down the trail as we are, and who can we share um, godly wisdom with, and and who can we share godly life experience with in order to help them um, to to live better, but ultimately to follow Jesus better, and that that ought to be a pursuit of our lives always. That we never grow um, beyond the need to have those two roles filled. And then Paul finishes up and he, and he talks about these three roles or, or three, you know, three different types of people, three illustrations that he uses to talk about how we're to be as we're, we're in these discipling relationships. And as we're, you know, as we're setting our lives up to best follow Jesus. And, and he uses three really important jobs in life, three really important roles that, Quite frankly, you can look through his epistles and he goes back to these illustrations over and over and over. If you want to do something fun in scripture and and understand more of the depth of, of what it is that Paul's saying from a theological perspective, go back and trace through all of the different passages where he talks about farmers and farming. Go back and talk about all the different passages where and, and look at all the different passages in order of where he talks about being a soldier. And, and like what it means to serve in the military and then go back and, and look at the things that he writes about athletics and about athletic competition and about athletes. And, and if you, if you look at each of those and follow the thread of them, uh, these are a pretty good summary statement in, in these passages of the kind of things that, that Paul says, but all of those he gives as relevant examples to us as believers to help us to know what it is that he is, you know, advocating that we should, should do and be and live. And so the first one is, he says, to share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus, no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since it is his aim to please the one who enlisted him. Um, I think back to our time in in Hattiesburg and and serving in a community where Camp Shelby was there and um, Camp Shelby was incredibly active as we were involved in the conflict in um, in the Middle East and in, in Pakistan and you know the whole Iraq War all through that time. And, and so as long as there was, as long as the U.S. was, was deeply in, involved in conflict in the Middle East, Camp Shelby was one of the places where they staged up troops and, and helped them to, to be trained and ready. And so the, these were by and large National Guard units that were coming together and they were going through a significant period of training to then be deployed, um, into the Middle East. And, and we had lots of people that moved to our area for a year or two. While one of their uh, members of their family um, was, you know, was was in training and and ready to be deployed, and our church did a lot of sending ceremonies, and so we hosted because we were right there in the community and were active at Camp Shelby and and ministering to families. We had the opportunity to host uh, a lot of. Uh, final services where where these soldiers were um, 
were saying goodbye to their family and they were being commissioned to the work um, that they were being given to do. And, and I'm telling you, like it's it'll mess you up like nothing else to see someone who is um, who is saying goodbye. And they think maybe the last time um, to to their to their wife, to their children, to their husband, to their children, to their parents, um, when they're going off to war and and they're following orders as a soldier. And so um, and the thing we didn't see ever in those moments were soldiers that were saying, um, I've decided that I'm not going. <laughs> they were following orders. They'd been commissioned into an army and they had a job to do and they were making a great sacrifice. Their families were making a great sacrifice. There was suffering that was going on because those men and women had chosen to be good soldiers. And that's exactly what Paul's talking about here with regard to following Jesus, that we have been commissioned into an army, that we've been sent by a king, and that part of being sent by the king is being a good soldier and not getting entangled in a bunch of stuff that doesn't have anything to do with the kingdom and with the war at hand. And why is Paul saying this? Because Ephesus is a church that's really susceptible. Their church that's a mess. They're, you know, they're in a in a very worldly, very um, very godless city, and the influences of people coming against the church, trying to change the gospel or bend the gospel or water down the gospel or to use the story of Jesus to to make gain for themselves. Like there are people that are coming against the church all the time. And it was a problem before Timothy got there as the pastor. It was a problem while Paul was there. The separation between the world and the church was always something that was difficult in Ephesus. And so Paul is now talking to Timothy, kind of last things, reminding him that part of his being a soldier in the army and serving in the role that he has as the pastor of the church at Ephesus is to be a good soldier and not, not to get drawn into that fight, but to be faithful to the gospel. Second thing Paul says in verse five is he says an athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. Again, another fascinating study is to look through the New Testament in particular and to look at all of the all the things that we learn about athletes in the New Testament and and even to do a historical study about what it meant to be an athlete in this time. And, and we remember that in the Roman world. Like this is the this is sort of the the trappings of the world that produced the Olympics. That there's very much a Greek influence that that that's being brought to their understanding of athletics, and so there were there were rules and regulations and policies to to make sure that athletic competitions were fair. There were there was rigorous training on the part of athletes and. And if athletes didn't follow the rules, if they didn't follow the code, the least that would happen to them would be that they would be disqualified and 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 would be thrown out of their sport and not allowed to compete anymore. Um, the worst that might happen to them is that they that that it was so offensive that they might even die. And so uh, Paul's reminding and he's saying, look, that part of part of the Christian life is is following is like following the way. And, and so why, why is it important to, to teach things to faithful men who are going to entrust them to others? Because, because we want to, we want to teach the words of life. We want to teach the scriptures. We want to teach good theology. We want to help people to understand who Jesus is and to understand, um, understand God's, uh, God's view and, and God's revelation to us. 
And, and why do we want to do that? We want to do it so that we're able to be like an athlete who competes according to the rules that we, that we do the right things and live in the right way, not because we're going to be saved or rescued by those things, but because the way we compete says much about who we compete for. And then the last thing that, that Paul says, he talks about a hardworking farmer. Um, and he says the, the hardworking farmer ought to have the first share of the crops and, you know, I, I grew up in the in the city, grew up in the suburbs. I don't know much about farming. I don't know much about growing things, but I married into a family um, that that was uh, that was was from the roots of a bunch of farmers. And uh, my mother in law still keeps a garden at eighty six years old. That's um, that's bigger than my house. And, uh, and she tends it every day and she's out in it and she's working it and she's caring for her plants and she's tilling up rows and she's, you know, putting out, um, things to, to feed the plants and she's putting up things to keep, you know, deer and other animals out of her garden and keep them from stealing. And, you know, I kind of marvel at, at people that understand and just seem to innately have this sense of, of understanding how to grow things and how to grow things well. But what I've learned over the years is, is the reason, the reason that farmers, um, really know what they know and they're really good at what they do is because they talk about it all the time. Um, when they're not doing it, they're talking about it. The experiences of of sitting around with my wife's family and listening to the intricacies of everybody checking their rain gauges and how much rain they've gotten in the last few days. Um, everybody, you know, looking at the kind of worms they have in the soil and all these kind of things. And they and they talk about that stuff all the time. Why? Because because during the season when they're growing things. Uh, a lot of them are spending, uh, you know, 12, 14 hours a day and, and they're, they're out tending to the crops that they're growing. So that's what they have to talk about when they're, when they're sitting around resting and when they're sitting around enjoying themselves, they, they talk about what they're invested in and what they're, what they're doing. And ultimately, Paul points out that when, like, what is it that, that helps a farmer to be good at what he does? It's ultimately attentiveness and wisdom. The hardworking farmer, the one who's who's there tending the crops, the one who's learning from the elders on the porch, the one who's watching the rain gauge, the one who's doing all those things that ultimately that 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 person deserves um, the spoil of of the crops. Why? Because they've been faithful. And then the last thing that Paul says is verse seven, he says, think over what I say. For the Lord will give you understanding in everything. And so that's kind of where I leave things today. I would just say to you very prayerfully, um, think about the things that Paul said. Think about the things that he said about being strengthened by the unmerited favor of God. Think about the need to invest in um, faithful men and faithful women, the, the scriptures and good teaching, and and to be invested in by those who are who are wiser and farther along in the journey than you are. Think about um, being a good soldier in the army of God. Think about being uh, an athlete who competes according to the rules and competes the right way. And think about being a hardworking farmer who, who works and tends and cultivates um, ultimately to bring glory to God um, and think about how 
you can apply these things in your life today. Thanks for joining us on the Defender Podcast. We we love you. We appreciate you. And it's our, our joy to unpack um, the scriptures and books of the Bible with you, including uh, things like what we've done today in, in 2 Timothy. Y'all have a great week. Thanks again for joining us for the Defender Bible Study. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Bible Study to make it easier for more people to find. For more resources and information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, please visit us at lifelinechild.org. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. We look forward to seeing you again next week for the Defender Bible Study.